Welcome to the Vail Christian Church Podcast. In our Raid the Darkness series, Pastor Ben Pitney has a message titled, So the Work Can Be Evident. Join us in John chapter 3, verses 16 through 21. At Vail Christian Church, we believe in training followers of Christ to worship, gather, give, and serve. Talking about the gospel of John and raiding the darkness. You're in the gospel of John. Let's go back, all right? Now you're there. You've made your, um, your bookmarked it, all right? So I'm going to get after it. Now, what I'm going to do is we're going to be looking at John chapter 3, all right? But before we do, the first thing I want to just sort of present to you is in 2 Corinthians. And in 2 Corinthians, in chapter 2, there's this place starting at about verse 14, verse 15, where Paul kind of describes his ministry that's all about the gospel, explaining Jesus, presenting Jesus to people. And when you do that, something happens. It becomes divisive. It becomes a little bit offensive. Actually, a lot of times, a lot offensive. The gospel is offensive, And when you explain Jesus, it forces, it really forces it. It forces you to decide, to choose. It really does. When the truth is presented, the gospel forces you to choose, choose, so it becomes divisive. There's a division and a divide among people. Watch how Paul explains it. It's, it's so great. It's so descriptive. Starting in uh, verse 14, watch how he says this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, he says, But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ and who makes known through us the fragrance that consists of the knowledge of him in every place. So he's saying that when you present Jesus, it, that, that knowledge, that truth, It smells smells. You smell Jesus. And by the way, God can smell it and everybody else around can smell it. I love that. I really, really love that. He says, for verse 15, we are a sweet sweet aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. You know, John 3, 16, you know, if you believe or you don't believe, you either have eternal life or you perish. He goes, okay, you're either saved or you perish. Right? Verse 16. To the latter, an odor, or that's the fragrance from death to death, but to the former, a fragrance from life to life. So he's saying, man, Jesus, make, he, he smells, and some people really like it. And it's pleasing to God no matter what. But some people don't like it, and they're like, oof, I smell death. I don't like it. Some people smell life, and they love it, and, they, and, and eternal life, right? It forces you to choose. Some people run from it. Some people are attracted to it. Some people love that odor and that smell. And some people don't. But God, he likes all the smell. Because you're doing what he asked him to do when you present Jesus, when you explain Jesus, when you present the gospel. All right, you got that? Now, there's, in that context now, I'm going to give you the end of the story, and it'll, it'll become clearer John chapter 3, verses 16 through 21. I'm going to read the last verse first. Verse 21, I'll put it up. First in the Net Bible translation, it says, but the one who practices the truth comes to the light so that it may be 
plainly evident that his deeds have been done in God. I like the way Eugene sort of comment, his commentary explains this. It's called the message. He says, but anyone working and living in truth and reality, that's truth. When you work and you live and you deal in truth, he's talking about the truth of Jesus. That's reality. Welcomes God light. God light. So the work can be seen for the God work it is. Now, we call this, this um, series, or I titled it, Raiding the Darkness, because this is about the light and the light of Jesus, all right, that we are presenting when you explain Jesus, when you present the gospel. Now, keep that in mind, because the light does something. And it's, a, it's controversial, and it's offensive. Now, there are people that are offended by this odor and this smell and this fragrance and this gospel, this Jesus. Oh, they're offended. And in our culture, modern culture today, not only are people divided and are offended one way or the other, but at the same time, all right, at the same time, we can get, there are those of us that can get offended on behalf of those being offended. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, and we can just add another layer. Because here's where we're going to, here's where we're headed, all right? Because the sin, because sin, it has to, in order to survive, in order to thrive, sin has to be in the darkness, it's got to be in the deception. It's got to be hidden. Sin has to live in the darkness because when it's exposed, it cannot survive in the light. It, can't, it, it will not make it. When it's exposed, it gets burned away by the light and exposed for what it is, and it will not survive. It can't. So sin has to work really hard to stay in the darkness, in the deception, in the fraudulence. Now, this is what makes it so difficult in our world. It is hard to live in this kind of world. How do, you, how do you work in this kind of world? How do you deal with this kind of stuff? Because, man, can people really use that to their advantage, right? Now, I'm going to say some things. Be careful. I don't have an agenda. I just want to teach the truth. But I'm going to choose some controversial subjects right now. And some of you are going to immediately just be offended. And some are going to go, you just preach it, Pastor Ben. That is not my intention. There's a reason why Twitter does not want Elon Musk to buy it. And it will, it will destroy itself to keep him from doing it. I'm, I'm going to tell you straight up, this is the reason. Because it cannot survive in the light. It's got to, it, it, it can only survive in the darkness and thrive in the darkness. Because when the truth is presented... It exposes things. That's why it doesn't want it. I'm not saying Elon Musk is a believer or anything. Don't take it out of context and misquote me. I mean, he's not, you know, I don't know really all that much about him except for he's the richest man on the planet. Probably knows business really well, but everything else, he's kind of a weird person. But there's a reason why Twitter doesn't want all sides in there or truth or, you know, reality because it, it, it can't survive. Oh, there's other things. You know, when you, in our culture, when you begin to talk about gender, all you got to do to stir it up is tell the truth about God created men 
specific with biology and women with biology. In our culture, we want it, it's, no, it's, you can decide and identify how you want. And it's fluid. And, 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 and you could be made to be a fool by saying, no, there are biological men, biological women, there's only the two, and you don't actually get to decide. Now, I'm, if you're wrestling with that, you're struggling with that, or that's a part of your life in some way, you're connected to people who are living right there and that whole stuff. I'm not, I'm, I'm not here to offend you, but it begins to be offensive when you present reality or truth, just like Eugene Peterson says. But when anyone working and living in truth and reality welcomes God's light so the work can be seen for uh, the God work it is, I guarantee you what we're going to see today is that offends some people. They don't like it. And it can't survive when you expose it. In the light, so it's got to be pulled back. So it begins to begin uh, to be manipulated, and then it, it finds ways to cover it up and make you feel like a fool, or uh, I'll get legal system involved and things like that, right? So that you know, we'll shut you up real quick about this. We'll sue your pants off, and it'll cost you so much money. It'll be hurtful that you won't talk, you won't say these things out loud. We find our culture now. How do you live in a culture that does that kind of thing that punishes? That punishes reality and welcoming God light. How does a Christ follower live in that world? Well, it's not not easy. There's no easy answer to that. But I think that we have to wrestle through this. And I'm fine taking a little bit of heat for it. But let's watch what the gospel then the, uh, the writer, Gospel uh, of John, has to say and what he does with this, right? Let's see how fast we can go through this and not get um, too off track, right? So John chapter 3, of course, I'm not there. I'm in Acts chapter 3. Um, here we go. Start at verse 16. There's the most famous Bible verse in all the world. So we'll wrap this in there. Remember, you can't use that verse anymore if you've been here for a while. Just that single verse alone, you got to explain what this verse is all about because it's all about the story in front of verse 16. You can't just, you, you, you take it out of context when you use that verse by itself. You can't do that. All right, so here we go. In verse 16, he says, for this is the way God loved the world. He gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Verse 17, for God did not send his son to the world to condemn. You could say the word judge if you want, instead of condemn, condemn the world, but that the world should be saved through him. That's why he sent him, right? Verse 18, the one who believes in him is not condemned or judged. The one who does not believe or is an unbeliever has been condemned already. That word already is really key because he has not believed in the, same, in, in the name of the one and only Son of God. Now, this is the basis for judging or condemnation. That the light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil deeds hates the light and does not come to the light so that their deeds will not be exposed. 
Should we read that again? Everyone who does evil deeds hates the light and doesn't come to the light so that their deeds will not be exposed. That's why they're not, they don't want to be in the light because their deeds are going to be exposed, right? Verse 21, here we go. But the one who practices the truth, Eugene Peterson would say reality in God, comes to the light so that it may be plainly evident or you could say seen that his deeds have been done in God. This is about God, and I'm acting on his behalf because he has given me a mission and a mandate. So <clears throat> how, how's he God's son? How is Jesus God's son? Well, <clears throat> he's not a sacrificial animal, right? And so it is costly for God to send him. <clears throat> God didn't spare his own son. Under God's wrath, we are condemned or judged, and that is everybody. Eternal life comes from believing in the Son, not by working for the Son. Or to say it differently, this sending of God's Son is love, and God demonstrated his love by sending his Son, because he was, it was deeply costly for him, infinitely beneficial to us, and absolutely free. All right, now, what happens with the uh, John is there's a change right here in his language, all right? And uh, you see it in verses 19 through 21. It's different. Notice the way verse 18 restates what verse 16 has already said. It's a different way that verse 18 restates verse 16 that sets up what Jesus wants to do next. And, and, and John is exposing that or revealing that. In verse 16, Jesus describes two possible results of God sending his son. If you believe in him, you'll have eternal life. And whoever doesn't believe in him is going to perish. Those are the two possibilities. Now, verse 16, everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. All right. Now, look at the way verse 18 describes these two possibilities. Here it goes. Whoever Believes is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is uh, condemned already. What's the difference? The difference is that the result of believing and not believing is not described in terms of our perishing or dying and eternal life, but in terms of being condemned or not condemned. That's the difference. In other words, verse 18, the language is different. It's like you're in a courtroom, and the language is like very legal like the language of judgment. So a judge says, condemned or not condemned. So Jesus is, this language is moving of, of, of life and death to guilty or not guilty. Okay? This is important. Look at verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world should be saved through him. So the literal translation would uh, go like this. God didn't send his son to the world to judge the world, all right? That's the language, that's sort of legal language that you would find in a courtroom. Now, <clears throat> what about this already word? That's a big deal. Verse 17 raises the question, if Christ didn't come to condemn, why are some condemned then? And then verse 18 explains that even though some are, in fact, judged or condemned, um, right, it's because they are already in that condition when Jesus came. Now, I think this is a big deal. 
verse 18, look at verse 18. The one who believes in him is not condemned. The one who does not believe has been condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the one and only son of God. This is important. Go down to verse 36. Go down to verse 36. You can go all the way down, right? The one who believes in the son has eternal life. The one who rejects the son will not see life, but God's wrath remains on him. The word remains makes the same point that the word already makes in verse 18. Now, have you ever been in a discussion with someone and they won't take a side? And you say, look, I actually have to do this sometimes with our staff when I'm walking us through something. It's a leadership thing. And you don't want to take a side. I'm like, look, here's the deal. What I'm going to ask you is to take a side and you can't be Switzerland. Why do we say that? Because they're neutral. They're unaligned. They're well known for that. That's why you can put your money there if you're a communist uh, country or an evil dictator or whoever you are. (laughs) It doesn't matter. Or, you know, the United States of America and you're all about freedom and liberty and Jesus or whatever. Okay? Okay, so, so, so let's talk about being aligned or non-aligned and the world that we live in, all right? Jesus didn't come to an unaligned or non-aligned world with the result that some people would move from non-alignment to be anti-Jesus, all right? And others would move from non-alignment to be pro-Jesus. Nobody was neutral, or is neutral. We've all sinned. We're all guilty. We're all dying. We're all perishing. So we're all under God's righteous wrath. And we are already condemned. Okay? That's the truth. That's reality, all right? Whether we stay that way depends on how we respond to Jesus. Okay? Now, this makes it really hard in the world that we live in. Why? Well, you, you cannot be saved in your family, your friends, or anybody else. You can't really explain Jesus to them and, 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 and really have much of a chance for them to come to understand truth and embrace it until they recognize that they're lost. So you have to get a person lost before they can be saved. And that is not an easy task. Good thing it's not up to us. The Lord God does the saving. We're just supposed to present the truth. But in our love and our compassion and our deep desire to see people come to see Jesus and be saved, I mean, man, it takes some work, doesn't it? And you, you can almost get in the way of it. And you know what you can do? You can get offended. Because people are going to be offended with the gospel. All right, now, now watch. Now watch. Look at verse 19 through 21 now. Oh, here we go. It took so long, Pastor Ben, to set that up. I know. Now, this is the basis for judging that the light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. Man, does it make it messy then. For everyone who does evil deeds hates the light and does not come to the light so that their deeds will not be exposed. I mean, nobody wants to be in the light. If you're sinful and your deeds are evil, 
you got to stay in the darkness or everybody's going to be able to see it for what it is. The one who practices the truth comes to the light so that, they, so that it may be plainly evident that his deeds have been done by God. So you've got these two things, right? Sin wants to be in the darkness and people come to Jesus like, no, it's about the light. <laughs> no, I want the darkness. No, I want the light. And I want the darkness so bad that I will destroy Twitter rather than the light exposing actually how it really is. Now, maybe you don't use Twitter. Maybe you do. I don't know. But I am poking the bear right there. That's that's, that's, That's where we're living. That's the world we live in. I could choose a thousand subjects. I don't care what it is. Gender, sexuality, marriage, divorce, birth control. What else? Let me throw, I could throw a thousand of them out there, right? How do we live in the world that we are without like getting everybody all mad and offended? And, oh, man. Well, it's not easy. You can either say, oh, I don't care. Right, so Jesus knows that there's something trouble about his coming into the world. On the one end, he says in verse 17, for God didn't send his son to the world to condemn the world, but that the world should be saved through him. So Jesus didn't come to judge, he came to save. And yet everybody knows when Jesus opens his mouth, when, you're, when the truth is presented, when Jesus is clearly presented or whenever his name is proclaimed, there's a division, there's a divide immediately. Some escape judgment and others don't. So Paul describes his own ministry like that. That's why I started with 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Verse 15 and 16, hey, we're the sweet aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing, to the latter an odor from death to death, but to the former a fragrance from life to life. And here's the deal. God likes to smell no matter what because Jesus is being presented and some people love it and are like, bring it on. I love that smell. And other people like, I can't take it and they run from it because they smell death. They smell hell and a choice. So there's a thinking, though, that even though Jesus didn't come to judge, judgment's happening, not just already, uh, already happening, but is now happening. And you got to navigate that. So you go over to John 9, 39, and you read this, for judgment I have come into this world so that those who do not see may gain their sight and the one who sees may, come, may become blind. And if you're a superficial studier of the Bible and just read it you know, and don't do any work, you probably quote John 3, 17 and go, for God didn't send his son to the world to condemn the world. And then you'd say, well, that's a contradiction. It's because you're just not spending enough time here. Because if you read carefully what follows in verses 19 through 21, you're going to see that in the context of verse 17, which says Jesus didn't come here to judge or condemn, Jesus explains that there's a judgment that came into the world. Now start in verse 19. This is the basis for judging, that the light has come to the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil for everyone who does evil deeds, hates the light and does not. Come to the light so that their deeds will not be exposed. But the one who practices truth comes to the light so that it may be plainly evident that his deeds have been done in God. So this 
new description of the divide that we saw in verse 16 and 18, the divide that described between those believing who don't believe. Here in these verses, that same division is described only this time instead of using the words believe and not believe or unbelief, he uses the words love, hate, and come. What's Jesus doing? He's digging. He's digging to expose something. And he's explaining why some believe and some don't believe. He's describing the kind of judgment that happens when light comes into the world. And those who are condemned in this judgment are condemned by what they love and what they hate. And those who are rescued from this judgment are rescued by God's grace. Now, before you just get all Twitter on me and everything else, be careful. It's just an example. It's just an illustration. And if you don't like it, I'm okay with that. Look at verse 19. This is the basis for judging that the light has come to the world. That light is Jesus, the Son of God, who, is, who in verse 16 was given to the world and in verse 17 was sent into the world. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. We know that to be truth. Jesus is light and truth. Jesus is the very presence of God that John described in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. He described it like this, 1 John 1, 5. God is light, and in him there's no darkness at all. Well, that's going to be a bummer when the light meets the darkness. It's going to be difficult, especially if you're not Jesus. And the word was God. So when the word became flesh, the light came into the world because God's light. This means that Jesus is truth. John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Every truth is totaled up, complete in Jesus. All the truth is in Jesus. All of it. All reality is in Jesus. All truth. Okay? Now, Look at Paul's letter to the Colossians, Colossians 2, 3, Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And he, he goes on to say in Colossians 1, 16, or, or if you back up, Colossians 1, 16 and 17, he says, for all things in heaven and on earth were created by him. That's Jesus. All things, whether visible or invisible, whether thrones or dominions, whether principalities or powers, all things were created through him. And by the way, for him, he himself is before all things and all things are held together in him. So he's the purpose. Jesus is the purpose of all things, the origin of all things. The meaning of all things is in Jesus. When he comes, the truth about all things comes and that'll expose it all. The truth about God, the truth about ourselves. What about ourselves? You want to know the truth about your gender? Here it is. It's all exposed by Jesus. The truth about the way of salvation. There's only one way. See, the truth about what, good, what is good and what is right. The truth about evil and ugliness. The truth about how we should live. All right thinking, all right feeling, by the way, and all right doing and working is defined and measured by Jesus. Man. That is some of what it means to be the light of the world. It's 
truth just goes, and you can see things exactly the way it is. Now you can see why it's so offensive, isn't it, in the culture we live in? Well, so verse 19 says, the coming of Jesus is a kind of judgment then. Why? Because it exposes everything. The rest of verses 19 and 21 describe two kinds of responses to the light. The first is negative. Look at verse 19 and 20. For all things in heaven and on earth were created by him. All things were visible or invisible. Where the thrones are... Oh, man, that's the wrong verses again. I did that wrong. Look at... uh, What's it say? Verses 19 and 20 in John chapter 3 is what that should say, right? Here it is. Now, this is the basis for judging that the light has come into the world and people who have the darkness rather than the light because of their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil deeds hates the light and does not come into the light so that their deeds will not be exposed, right? There's several things revealed here. At the end of verse 19, their deeds were evil. Verse 20 at the beginning, they do evil deeds, they do evil works, right? They don't want their deeds to be exposed. That's verse 20 at the end. So they love darkness where there's be no exposure of their sin. Verse 20 is right in the middle and people love the darkness rather than the light. And then they hate the light because that's where their sin gets exposed. So verse 20 at the beginning, everyone who does the evil and wicked stuff, you know, hates the light. They don't come to the light. Now, remember, this is Jesus' explanation of unbelief or belief, both. The divide of two kinds of people, verse 19 through 21, and then verses 16 and 18, those who believe in the Son of God and those who don't. So what we just saw is how Jesus understands the work of unbelief and why people don't believe in Jesus. It's really important to understand that. Whether it's offensive to you or not, we're all sinful, and we feel and we think and we do things that are not aligned with the measureless value and worth of God, all of us. That's what evil is. We dishonor him every day by falling short of loving him with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, all of our strength. And if this sinfulness begins to be dragged out into the light, I don't care what, how it, in what form or how it manifests itself. It makes us really angry. It makes us really frightened or both. It produces shame and guilt and all kinds of stuff. It begins to look as horrible as it really is. That's, that's what happens. You see, it's horrific and shame. Because shame for real corruption is, very, is a very painful thing. And man... You back that into a corner, and it'll do just about anything. But when Christ, the light of the world, shines on a person's life, then it either brings them to, the, to, his, to their knees and leads them to repentance and faith, or it drives them further into the darkness because it is beyond endurance and too much to sustain when our sinful works and deeds and thoughts and feelings are forced out into the light of Jesus. That's why the gospel is so offensive and why they crucified Jesus. Sin is so ugly and so horrendous and so revolting that it has to surround itself with darkness in order to live. 
It needs to live and hide in deceptive appearance and fraudulent deceitfulness. And it will make you feel like you're an idiot and foolish to where you're like even questioning yourself like, oh my gosh, maybe we should let a biological man swim in the NCAA collegiate championship against women or we just got to pretend like it's, you know, and we just go along with it. I mean, unbelievable. Now, see, I told you I was going to poke the bear. Maybe you think that's fine. That's okay. I'm not here to make you feel terrible about what you believe. I'm just here to, I, I, th- I think, try to create example and explain this, right? You can say you're a woman all you want, but if you have the biology of a man, you are not. See, and just saying that out loud just pushes some people just right over the edge. Why? Because the, when you expose uh, uh, reality, when reality exposes, you know, the truth, it can't survive in the light. If, I mean, it, it's got to run back to the darkness and make you feel like you're an idiot or you're foolish in some way. That's the only way you can live. Oh, man, I know I'm stirring it up. But this is the working of unbelief inside of us, actually because of Jesus. It will not, uh, sin will not come to Jesus and that, uh, watch this in verse 19, that is the judgment. This response of loving the darkness and hating the light reveals that the guilt of not coming to Jesus is the heart of man. It's in us. We don't come because we don't want to come. There's a slavery here. We're chained to our own desires of what we love and what we hate. So it should make you feel compassionate, I think, towards people who are in those chains and thinking that's in those chains. And I'm not saying it's going to be easy to deal with or live with. Holy moly. (laughs) You're there just like me. You can get sued over this. Your life can be just destroyed over this. And, you know, can it? No. All right, before we go down that road too far, watch this, though. There's the other side of belief still, right? It leads us to see what the other side of this judgment is. We saw what it, the, the inner dynamics of unbelief is like. What about belief? Verse 21, verse 21. But the one who practices the truth comes to the light so that it may be plainly evident or seen that his deeds have been done in God. I think this sentence expresses not so much a single act, but a principle of ongoing action. Whoever goes on doing what is true, acting in alignment with the light, will always come to the light and not run away from it. And the reason he'll come is so that it'll be clear that this ongoing behavior is doing what is true, living in reality, has been the work of God. It's been the work of God, not himself. It's all about God, you see. It's got to be about him or, then, or it's about you. And if it's about you, it's going to be a big mess, you see. So the ultimate, this unbelievable contrast between the believer and the unbeliever is 
not that one hates the light and the other loves it. That's not it. That's true. It's, that's important. But this contrast, it's not about the unbeliever that will not come to Jesus and the believer will. That's true. That's a big deal. That what's really important here is that the believer, the one who loves the light, the one who comes to Jesus, comes by the grace of God. It's about God and his grace, you see. That, that is, he comes with a profound and an unbelievable understanding of God's de- of God, and, 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 and that person is dependent and humble that every good thing he does, he's able to do in God. And that means only by God's power. Right? Verse 21. For the one who practices the truth comes to the light so that it may be plainly evident that his deeds have been done in God. What's this got to do with me? Well, <laughs> oh man. Well, it was really hard to refine that. But here you go. Unbelief is our fault. Belief is God's gift. That's about as plain as I could say it. Here's the main point. There's a kind of judgment that came into the world when Jesus came into the world. And this judgment, this condemnation reveals that the guilt of not coming to Jesus, it, 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 it resides, it, it, it lives, so to speak, in the heart of man that loves darkness and hates the light. That's all of us. But the grace of coming to Jesus comes from God. That's why he demonstrated his love by sending Jesus to us. Or can I put it one other way? Unbelief is our fault. Belief is, a, is, is, a, is God's gift. But what that means, if we don't come to Jesus, but instead perish and die, we magnify God's justice. But if we do come to Jesus we re- and we receive eternal life, we magnify God's grace. They're both God's. In fact, Jesus says, that's why we come. That it may be clearly seen, that it would be ridiculously evident that our works, they got nothing to do with us. It's all carried out by God. And believers, true Christ followers, love it when God's free grace is clearly seen, is clearly evident. Have you come to Christ? I think I said enough. Lord God, I'm I'm praying right now that in the heart of everyone, uh, we would come to the light and we would say to you, God, as we come, without your work, I would not be coming at all. I want to magnify your grace. I want to feature your grace. I want it to be evident and plainly seen, Lord God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Vail Christian Church Podcast. If you have any questions, would like to know more information about our church, or would like to see the video cast of this message, please visit our website at www.vailchristian.com.